Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our central London service. To hear talks from each of our services, please visit christchurchlondon.org. It's the first Sunday of Advent, and uh, this season is observed by the church as the beginning of their liturgical calendar. Um, And we're going to spend the next couple of weeks Um, leading up to our carol service on the 17th to explore Advent and to think about what it means as followers of Jesus. Advent means coming or arrival, and it's usually used in reference to the arrival of a person. And Christians around the world use Advent as a time to celebrate Christ's coming into the world over 2,000 years ago as well as to anticipate a second advent when Jesus will come again to restore and rule over heaven and earth eternally. And the theme of our Advent series this year is living a better story. Because we believe that as followers of Jesus, we're called to celebrate Christmas in a way that is countercultural to the popular themes today. However, in order for us to understand how to live differently, we need to know what we're up against. And so with that said, we're going to play a game of Christmas Jeopardy. Woo! Um, For those who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, the game is simple. I'm going to give you a statistical figure, and then you need to guess what UK Christmas statistic it relates to. So partner up with someone next to you um, and have a go at some of these. The first one is 10 million. 10 million. What do you think? Okay. Mince pies. We've got mince pies. Turkeys. Christmas trees. The answer is, in fact, turkeys. It's the amount of turkeys cooked on Christmas Day in the UK alone. And the combined discarded packaging of such turkeys weighs the equivalent of 30 blue whales. <laughs> right, next one. Three, um, 300 million. It's a lot bigger. 300 million. Right, we've got mince pies. Someone's saying mince pies. Mold wine, I'm hearing. Sprouts. The answer is, in fact, the amount of Christmas crackers pulled during the Christmas season. Right, next one. 230,000. 230,000. Any guesses? Cheese? Uh, Someone said cheese. Food is on the brain today, isn't it? Everyone's just giving me food-related items. People who are homeless, not quite. It's, in fact, how many tons of Christmas food waste is thrown away each year, including 11.3 million roast potatoes, yeah, 7.5 million mince pies, and 740,000 portions of Christmas pudding. Good riddance, because I hate Christmas pudding with a passion. I don't care. I've said it. Um, Okay, next one. 41. 
41. 41. Someone said wine, mulled wine. <laughs> well, how many pints <laughs> drunk over Christmas of, per person? Wow, okay. <laughs> Not quite. The answer is, in fact, how many orders per second Amazon received on their busiest shopping day last Christmas? Um, right, next one's a bit different. 11.07 a.m. 11.07 a.m. The time people... Wake up. Well, you wake up late for Christmas. You're not excited, okay? <laughs> the answer is the average time someone has had their first alcoholic drink on Christmas Day. I mean, that's fair. It's the box fizz, right? It's the mimosas with the smoked salmon. Am I wrong? That's how I'm spending my Christmas brunch anyway. Um, and then finally, 17 million 17 million mince pies. Someone's desperate for a mince pie statistic today. Anyone? Trees. It's actually the estimated combined number of hours that people spend online shopping this year on Boxing Day. <laughs> now, of course, these stats, they don't tell us everything about Christmas today, but they still reveal a lot. If citizens from another planet came to Earth around now and they spent some time observing the Christmas season, what story would they take away with them? Would it be one of humility where we strive to think about ourselves less and become a servant to those around us? Or one of status where Christmas is just another opportunity to showcase our material success and achievement? Would it be one of generosity where we embrace the true joy of giving rather than receiving? Or one of indulgence where those less fortunate are left on the outside looking in? Would it be one of simplicity where the message of God with us is enough to warm our spirits? Or one of excess where consumerism, commercialism and artificial Christmas cheer lead the charge. As followers of Jesus, we have the responsibility and privilege to live out a better story this Christmas, a story that leads people to Jesus himself. So with that said, today we're going to be looking at living a story of simplicity in a time of excess. Looking back at the stats again, it's fair to say that we are a little prone to be doing the most at Christmas time. Every year has to be bigger and better than ever before. It seems like the shoppers start their advertising campaigns earlier and earlier in an attempt to capture shoppers and their wallets. Um, I was walking through uh, central London with some friends yesterday. Uh, and we marveled at the elaborate displays that were erected by the various high street stores and designer boutiques that are all hoping to lure in tourists to buy gifts for Christmas. We agonize over Christmas gifts because more people are now becoming that one who has everything. 
Our calendars are crammed with so many festive events and activities that we end up starting the new year more exhausted than before. Now, don't get me wrong, I do love to be festive. I mean, I'm wearing a Christmas jumper while I'm preaching. What, what more can I say? Um, and I, I have some Christmas traditions of my own. First of all, my Christmas tree must be taller than me, um, which is no easy feat when you're five foot 11, I can assure you. Um, I insist of, on a decorative scheme of no more than three colors. Um, and it is complete sacrilege for gold baubles and decorations to mix with cool lights. If you are at risk of doing this this year, can I just implore you not to do so, okay? It's not cozy. Um, <laughs> for the past few years, I have comfortably taken the reins as Christmas head chef, and I pride myself on cooking no less than five courses each year. If you wanna come through, just let me know. Um, and as someone of dual heritage, I see it as my prerogative to be quintessentially British when it comes to the entree, much to my father's dismay. And it is true that we've had more than one argument about why he cannot cook rice and peas on Christmas Day or seek to jerk the Christmas turkey. <laughs> However, <laughs> all humour aside, the danger of getting caught up in all these Christmas customs and traditions is that we can start to replace the true meaning of Christmas with them. According to a recent YouGov study, 80% of Britons surveyed said that Christmas was more of a secular holiday with its religious aspects in increasing decline. And for some people, this is actually welcoming news. Check out this article written in The Guardian last year. Christmas comes with good cheer. The tragedy is the religious baggage. And the author, Polly Toynbee, concludes her piece with the following words. So Christmas comes with good cheer. Enjoy it. But know that it comes with religious baggage we should shed. It's unfortunate that a growing number of people feel this way about the Christmas story. Oh, Christmas would be so much better without all that religious stuff. Some people even go as far as to eradicate the word Christmas altogether, preferring the clinical term midwinter festival. However, the same people are ultimately setting themselves up for disappointment because the hype of the Christmas season is often just that, hype. The concept of secular Christmas cheer that many people strive for promises so much and yet almost always fails to deliver. I mean, think about it. We put all our time and energy into this one day of celebration. We decorate our houses as soon as we can. We go hunting for Christmas trees. We plan where we will be on the day and who will be invited. We get our online grocery shopping in early and we splash out on the best of everything. We build so much excitement and anticipation and then it's over. All that build up towards a day that comes and goes so quickly. It's a false anticipation that we carry. It's one that says that this one day will fix all our problems. It will lift all our hopes. But when the food is eaten, when the wine is consumed, 
when everyone has gone home, you're suddenly left with this empty and uncomfortable void. And you realize that nothing has changed at all. Because tomorrow, it's back to the cost of living crisis. Or it's back to that difficult marriage. Or it's back to those mental health struggles. Or it's back to that mountain of debt. One big day of Christmas cheer is not enough to provide us with lasting hope. And while many of us probably experienced the pre-Christmas rush of deadlines at work before the break, when I used to work as an employment lawyer, January was actually the busiest time of year for us because that's when all the employers would wait until after Christmas for the hammer to drop. We would be advised, we're going to let those people have their Christmas. And then in January, we will get you to draw up the termination contracts and let people know that they're going to be let go. One of my former colleagues, a family lawyer, she was also busy in January too, for reasons not too dissimilar, because most families prefer to enjoy a final Christmas before filing for divorce in the new year. And what comes to mind as I present this picture are Paul's words in the book of Romans. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. When we remove God from the story of Christmas, what we're really doing is we're exchanging his truth for a lie. A Christmas idol that is carved by our own hands, that is disguised in cheer and goodwill. And we would rather worship this than the creator. However, when we do so, we're simply faced with the reality that this idol can never satisfy our deepest longings. Nor can it fix the brokenness of our hearts or the fallen nature of our world. The truth is that only the real Christmas story holds this power. The story of God coming down to earth to be with us, to save us. And ironically, Jesus' birth was one of simple means. It wasn't elaborate or fancy in any way. He wasn't born in a grand palace to wealthy nobility with thousands fawning over him. Instead, he was born to an ordinary couple in poverty and seclusion, only visited by foreign mystics and grubby shepherds. And on the surface, such a story doesn't seem extraordinary at all. However, Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians that this is in fact God's chosen methodology. It says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, 
boasts in the Lord. We see here that God, in his infinite wisdom, uses the simple, weak, and foolish, or at least foolish in the eyes of the world, for his purposes, so that people have no other choice but to attribute glory and gratitude to him for redemption and for salvation. And this is because the greatest gift that we could ever receive this Christmas is in fact God himself. In God through Christ, we receive forgiveness from sin, fulfillment of our deepest desires and longings and a hope that God will keep us until his return. And although Jesus's arrival to earth was a simple one, it is this simple gospel that is God's primary way of drawing us away from the noise of the idols of our age and towards him. Therefore, in the words of Avril Lavigne, why you have to go and make things so complicated? Why are we exchanging God's simple gospel? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Why are we exchanging God's simple gospel for an elaborate and excessive Christmas counterfeit? In an article for Desiring God, Pastor Matt Chandler described the onslaught that we inevitably face each Christmas and the solution to surviving it. But we have to know what we are up against this season. Almost every commercial, television special, and classic movie promises us a false reality. These things tell us that we're going to gather as a family, group hug while we carve the ham, you can tell they're American, can't you? And end with us all laughing in pure joy. There's a feel to this time of year, and we love the feel. Our battle is to get underneath all the commercialism and consumerism to actually experience Christ Jesus, our Savior, who was come and who will come again. And that is our goal this Christmas. It's to experience Christ Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. It's to make him the most present and pressing reality in our festive celebrations. But it's not only about us. Because we also want those around us who are currently caught up in this falsehood of that Christmas feel to know the simple gospel of Jesus. And so how exactly do we do this? Well, I want to suggest LICC's concept of being lovingly disruptive. Now, I'm sure you've heard many times that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. And David has spoken many times of us being a creative minority who seek to be in the midst of culture, but who wish to live distinctly and differently in order to shape and transform culture. Being lovingly disruptive is the way in which we can do this. We don't simply embrace culture through fear of upsetting people or rocking the boat. Neither do we remove ourselves from culture to judge, critique, and condemn from the outside. Instead, we seek to abide within pockets of culture and choose to live in ways that challenge the status quo and invite those around us to be part of a better story. 
So what does this look like in the Christmas season? Well, on the one hand, we don't just want to give in to the secular Christmas narrative completely, choosing to be part of all the acceptable Christmas fun whilst leaving our faith at the door through fear that it might appear awkward or a buzzkill for others. But on the other hand, we also don't want to be Christian Scrooges who complain about why they hate the commercialism at this time of year and how Christmas isn't worth celebrating anymore because no one is in it for the right reasons. I don't think the answer is to go back to 17th century England at a time when the Puritans banned the celebration of Christmas altogether. In fact, some academics suggest that this ban had the perverse effect of making Christmas less religious, as everyone who wasn't religious still stopped to work, still stopped work on the day to secretly eat, drink, and enjoy themselves without any Christian influence. No, being lovingly disruptive allows us to join in the Christmas celebrations, but to hold fast to the simple message of Jesus Christ in the face of excess and commercialism. So here are three ways in which I think we can do this practically. Firstly, let's make space for real moments for others this Christmas. The fact is many people will be struggling with difficult things in their hearts this season. And as we've looked at, they will often be tempted to push these things aside and pull all their energy into this false anticipation of the big day. I came across a story of a vicar who visited a family suffering from a bereavement during the Christmas season. These are his words of the experience. I rang their bell nervously. You never quite know what you will have to deal with, what manner of grief will be present. Here it was, raw, angry and visceral. The family was sitting on the floor in their lounge, eyes red and puffy. Christmas decorations pulled off the wall. Discarded tinsel was piled up in the corner of the room. The house was cold. The tree was bare. Christmas had been exposed as a lie. Later, I went to a parish Christmas party. Mariah Carey and Jingle Bells filled the air. The party atmosphere bubbled with a generalized bonhomie. Cheer up, vicar. It's Christmas, someone said, handing me a glass of fizz and ignoring the obvious fact that I wasn't the slightest bit in the mood. They meant well, of course, but all I could think of was that this party didn't feel anything like the Christmas we had been hearing about in church. There, we had been reading from the book of Isaiah. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Everything seemed the wrong way around. The people to whom Christmas was primarily addressed thought it was an insult to their pain. And yet those who celebrated it most seemed quite oblivious to its deeper existential message. As Christians, we are actually blessed with the ability to live in the tension of God's kingdom, the now and the not yet. And this means that we don't need to hide our pain behind false optimism or cheer. We can be real about the difficult things in our lives 
and we can look in real hope towards a God who sees us and has concern for us. So instead of encouraging people to sweep things under the carpet this year, let's make space to really talk to people. Let's take time away from the festive hype and the Christmas calendar to see how people are really doing, to be willing to listen to them and to respond with God's mercy and kindness. This year, Adnan and Jessica Khan, along with Adnan's sister, they're actually spending Christmas evening at St. Anne's Limehouse as they volunteer for the Growth Night Shelter. They have the amazing opportunity to serve the homeless, not only to give them food and shelter, but to listen to their stories, their longings, and to meet those stories with the mercy and compassion of Jesus. Secondly, let's invite people to hear that true Christmas story, i.e. invite them to the carol service. This is literally the easiest time of year to get people into church, as Joe has already mentioned. So don't sleep on it. The more that we invite people to hear about the real story of Jesus' arrival on earth, the more the Holy Spirit can minister his truth in the hope that people see Jesus less as religious baggage and more as the reason for the season. This year, I've invited my aunt and her family to the carol service in Mile End next week. And when they come over for Christmas this year, I'm going to take the opportunity to read Isaiah chapter 9 and pray before dinner as a way of sharing with them our hope and joy in the coming of Jesus. Finally, let us seek to be in a constant state of kavar. Remember this word? It was the theme of a recent arts exhibition in my lens that we had. And it means actively waiting in anticipation for God to act. The Hebrew term is reminiscent of a rope that is pulled in tension, waiting for its release. It's the key word for biblical hope. And as followers of Jesus, we do not need to cling to a false anticipation that so many choose to look to this Christmas. Instead, we hold on to a real and living hope in Jesus and Kavar consists of looking back to God's faithfulness in the past, of God sending his son to earth, and thereby waiting expectantly for his coming in the future. So for us, Advent need not end with Christmas Day. We are in a constant state of Advent as we wait in true anticipation for Jesus' return to restore heaven and earth once and for all, with the banquet come back up. Um, to close, I want to share something personal to me, um, which I feel I can share now because I have seen God's goodness and healing and restoration. But the past few Christmases, if I'm being honest, on paper, they weren't the best Christmases. I mean, we had Christmases cancelled 2020, where I'm sure everyone <laughs> can relate to the fact of not being able to see extended friends and family like we usually would. Christmas 2021 
um, a week before Christmas Day, I um, caught Omicron. Um, and I had to tearfully tell my parents that I wouldn't be with them at Christmas for the first time ever. And I'm an only child, so it's literally the three of us minimum. And it was, I did manage to make it in the end, but obviously it was all last minute. And again, all that build up leading to disappointment. But last year, I have to say, it was probably the hardest Christmas I've ever had to face. Um, I had a very difficult autumn season, lots of different personal circumstances building up. And I actually spent some time in hospital. Um, I really suffered from mental health difficulties. And by God's grace, I was able to reach out for help. But I spent some time in hospital, only being able to see one family friend um, for like 15 minutes a day. <laughs> it was not the best time. Um, but while I was in hospital, I read the Gospel of Luke because something in my spirit told me that what I needed to cling on to was not this hope that, oh, if I just make it to Christmas, if I just get to spend Christmas with my family, if I just get to see all the festivity, that's what's going to bring me through this dark time. No, it was the fact that the gospel, as simple as it is, is an eternal hope that even if I don't make it to Christmas, that even if I spend Christmas in this hospital bed, that even if this Christmas turns out not to be that great either, on paper, I still have that living hope of Jesus in his gospel. That's what carries me through. That's what makes me excited about Christmas during this time. So I want to encourage you that this isn't a season to pretend that everything's okay, nor is it a season to hide away from because we're just fed up with what it's become. But it's an opportunity to change that and to let people know that Jesus is alive. He's coming back. And we want to be part of that story. We want to be part of that kingdom. And we get to be part of that kingdom if we believe. Amen. Right, so let's stand and I'll pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the gift of Christ. God with us, Emmanuel, who came to our world in poverty, in isolation, in seclusion, not with fanfare, but yet in the most powerful way. Because he was a sign that God is faithful to his promises, that he never fails. And as we look back at the Christmas story, in Advent this year, we have true anticipation of your return. Help us to share this good news with everyone we possibly can. Help us not to lose sight of what is important to get so caught up in the festivities of Christmas cheer that we forget what Christmas really means. Instead, help us to celebrate with friends and family all the while sharing the good news of Jesus with everyone. Whatever we're experiencing this year, whatever circumstances we're in, give us that lasting hope, that lasting joy, that whatever happens, good or bad, when Christmas is over, you remain. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>